What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Swamp and Stomp podcast. My name's Mark, and I'll be your host for today. Today, we're going to be talking with Andrew Chestnut. Um, He is a local Floridian. He's been hunting here in Florida since he was a a little boy, Um, and he is known for tracking down big bucks. And this is something I'm really excited to have this conversation with him because, uh, you know, it's really difficult to pattern deer here in Florida because we do not have um, those those big food sources uh, that they have up north. And so deer are kind of just browsing around all the time and they don't really get into patterns. But he has figured out a way to approach trying to pattern these deer here in Florida. And he has been successful at killing big bucks on public land. So that's what we're gonna be focusing on today. Before we get into it, just want to make a couple quick announcements. There's a couple events coming up. Um, First of all, next week, there's going to be the the Florida Archery Unleashed, which is being organized by Skull Hill Archery. This is going to be uh, an event similar to TAC, um, where there's going to be 50 3D targets. It's not a tournament. It's just like a shoot. It's 25 bucks. to shoot all 50 targets. It's gonna be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You can probably get most of them done in one day, um, but you could, you know, you could probably get them all done in one day if you wanted to, but you can you can do it in, in multiple days and just pay one time. But there's gonna be uh, 50 different targets, all kinds of different animals. He's got a ton of new targets that he got specifically for this event. Should be a lot of fun. I'll be out there. Um, so if you wanna get some practice in shooting, you know, at 3D targets, uh, sort of simulating the hunt, Um, It's going to be really fun. Um, So it's great practice. Um, So make sure you come out to that. And then we are also organizing the second annual Saddle Hunter 3D Archery Tournament and Workshop. And this is going to be in Sebring, Florida. Um, And this event is basically a workshop so that you can come and try out all the different saddle gear. We've got gear from all the different companies um, for you to try out so you can sort of figure out what you like, what you want to buy before you buy it. And then... um, and then we also have a tournament going on, and this is going to be a little bit special because it's a tournament that you shoot from your saddle. Now, if you don't have a saddle, no big deal. We have a bunch of demo saddles that we can let you use for the tournament. But the whole point of this is for you to get to uh, sort of practice shooting different angles the way that you can from a saddle um, and sort of simulate real-life situations. You'll literally climb into a, a tree stand or up into a... Um, climb up some sticks, clip in, and shoot a few targets, and then move on to the next station. It's a lot of fun. Last year was a big turnout. If you guys are interested in that, make sure you go on our Facebook page. There's an event page for this with all of the details. So go check that out. Just look up Swamp and Stomp on Facebook. If you guys are trying to save yourself any money as the season comes up, there's a few different uh, companies that sponsor us that have given... uh, promo codes that you can use to save yourself some money so first off wood hunting saddles if you're looking at getting into the saddle game uh, go to woodhuntingsaddles.com or on our website which is swampandstompllc.com and you can use the code sns10 to get 10 percent off of all of wood hunting saddles gear you can also get 20 bucks off of a jx3 hybrid saddle which kind of bridges the gap between a tree stand and a saddle it's a solid frame uh, saddle super comfortable um, and I mean, if, if you're not quite sold on the saddle, but you like the idea of the mobility, that's definitely the way to go. So check those out. 
jx3outdoors.com, and you can use the code uh, SNS22, I believe it is. Either way, it'll be down in the description in case that's wrong. Um, that's it right now, so do that. Save some money. Anyway, there's plenty of other things I could announce, but those are the two most important ones. So instead of talking your ear off about all this other stuff, let's get right into this podcast and talk about patterning big bucks in Florida. And we are recording. All right, what's up, guys? It's Mark again here, and welcome back to the Swamp and Stomp podcast. Today, I've got a local guest. Um, this is a guy that, how did we meet? Was it like, I think just Instagram, right? I, th- I think yeah, I, I killed a, I killed a buck in an area, and I think you just like I saw it on camera when it was alive, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. And so we've kind of talked a few times, just like through Instagram. We've kind of planned to get together, try to hunt, do some things over the past few years, and finally, I was like, you know, I got to get together with this guy and pick his brain because I think you've got some really cool information to share with um, with Florida hunters. Um, and so today what we're going to be focusing on is, uh, what you can do during this time of the year to, uh, to up your chances of being successful in the hunting season. And then I also kind of want to get into like this big buck mentality, because I, I think a while ago, I remember you mentioning that you, um, you like to use cell cam or just cameras in general and ways of scouting to sort of track down where you can find big bucks. And that's something that I've always kind of struggled with. Like, I think our mentalities might be a little bit different. Like I'm not really trying to kill big bucks. Like I don't get me wrong. I love killing big bucks. I mean, you'll let it fly. Oh, absolutely. But when, you know, when a smaller buck walks out and it's legal, like my priority is meat in the freezer. Yeah. So, um, but that said, you know, uh, I've never really attempted to like try to track down a big buck and just judging by the sheds and the mounts around the house. I mean, it seems like you've been pretty successful at, at finding big bucks in Florida. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, oh, I suppose I should probably mention who this is. This man right here goes by the professionals on Instagram. Yes. Chestnut in everyday life. Yep. Is it Andrew? Yep. Andrew Chestnut. Andrew Chestnut. All right. So yeah. Um, just to start off, I guess just to kind of introduce yourself and what you do, how you got into hunting, um, how long you've been hunting in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Give me, give me the spiel. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm like Mark said, I'm Andrew Chestnut, born and raised here, South Florida. Um, I'm a realtor full time specializing in, uh, ranchettes, acreage land. Um, and got into hunting when I was about nine. Uh, my father, my mother, nobody in my family hunted, uh, but my mother is a, an attorney and her business partner for over 40 years in her law firm uh, took me out one time when I was nine and it's stuck ever since. And so I've- How old are you now? I'm 35, here. I think. Um, so we're like the same age. Yeah. Yeah, so so it's it's been a while. Yes, um, I can I can kind of relate to the um, you know coming from a family that didn't hunt. I a lot of people don't know this about me, but I actually grew up in Europe, and there's pretty much no hunting options there. No. Um, and I moved to the states when I was like 22, and 
nobody wanted to help me figure out how to hunt. So I just kind of ended up teaching myself. So. And, I, and I did it backwards compared to what you came from. You probably came over here and jumped into public land. I was fortunate enough that um, Mr. Gooch, who's the one who got me into hunting, had a lease up off of uh, State Road 70. And uh, it was it was not uncommon to see 20 or 30 deer. It was no high wow. fence, it was a whole, all, um, you know, free range stuff. But I started out with a cabin and going out in feeders and then like everything else, uh, parcels got sold, lost the lease and I went backwards and found out what public land was all about. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I, yeah, I've never even really hunted private land. like. I mean, now I've, I've gotten a couple invites to go, but it's just something about it doesn't really appeal to me. Like, I, I kind of want to unwrap that. Like, do you prefer hunting private land or have you now sort of, like, learned to enjoy public land more? Well, and I'm sure we'll get into talking about this more. It's, uh, I, like the, now. I like the challenge. Um, that's yeah. why I like the public. Um, and I truly like scouting and playing the chess match as much if not more than actually harvesting deer it's yeah. narrowing down time uh you know locations wind directions and finding an average and it all the pieces coming together of course there's variables that you cannot control but i like the the challenge is what draws me when you're in public land um, compared to private land. Uh, yes, both they have their, you know, struggles, but uh, it's definitely the challenge. Yeah, I, I, I kind of had a feeling that was going to be your answer. And that, for me, that's the same thing. Like, like we actually have access to some private land not too far from here, and I'm sure you you know exactly where I'm talking about. There's lots of tiny little parcels. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like to hunt it. I don't like the feeder thing it messes up the way they move it, it, they stop making sense and you get like the thing that drives me crazy and i don't know like maybe you kind of feel the same way like the thing that drives me crazy about using a feeder is like you get this like mentality of like i have to hunt by that feeder because at some point in time the deer is going to come to that feeder and you start ignoring like all the other signs that you have that you should maybe be somewhere else and you're like well they might bet over here but at some point he's going to go to that feeder. So I should be close to the feeder and like, yeah. I can't pull myself away from the feeder and I hate it. Um, I did. And I, I had that struggle. Um, I still hunt private land out of state in Alabama, um, a few, uh, 300 acres or so, and they have feeders. Um, I'm the youngest one there. A lot of, uh, older gentlemen who are a lot better hunters than I am. Um, a lot more years experience, but they start leaning towards me for a little bit of advice simply because I, when it comes to percentage of harvest I, and, and good deer, I, I'm either shooting or I'm not shooting anything. And they hunt over the feeders or the corn or the um, uh, food plots. And uh, they'll have, we have pictures all, of course, like the majority of them are at night. Well, obviously hunting over those, that's where they're showing up at night. So, you know, I'm going to backtrack. Go somewhere else. I'm backtracking. Yeah. So probably the last five years that I've hunted out of state, 
I will not hunt over corn. I will not hunt over feeders. I just, I'm, I'm in the nastiest, thickest, hardest stuff to get to. Hills, climb, you know, shoot something, question what in the world did I do? How am I going to get this deer out of here? Yeah. That's where I want to be. Yeah, so you're a believer in get, get far. Yeah. Get far away from people. That's That's how I start the, the scout. I find out where the named and numbered trails are um, on public land and look for the farthest distance from those areas, and then I work out from there. Okay. So that's kind of different to what I do. So my, my tactic is always like, I look at the named and numbered trails, and then I look at where most people want to go. Mm -hmm. Like I look at them and I go, well, people are gonna to wanna to go there and they're probably gonna walk this way to get there. And everybody's gonna just ignore this area. And then I go look at that area. Oh, I, like, yeah. I like the places that are- People are gonna pass over. Yeah, the, the places that people don't immediately think about. Um, oh, yeah. And a lot of times they're not far from the truck. No, no, and uh, I have or, a lot of friends who are successful like that too. Yeah. I just, I, like you wanting, you know, with the feeder thing, I can't, it's, I struggle if I see it and it looks too easy to get to. Everybody can go ahead and see, you know, on an aerial photo, oh my gosh, that's where I want to be. Of course, that's where you want to be. That's where everybody wants to be. But are you willing to do and go through yeah. everything to get there? I am. So. Well, and, and I think a lot of people, like they're like, I want to be here. And then they'll start heading that way and then they kind of don't make it all the way there. And they're like, well, this looks pretty good. I see yeah. a sign, like I'll hunt here. And then there's and then there's the people that hunt right next to the truck. Mm -hmm. And then there's like that area in between that. Yeah. That, that's, that's my, that's that's my wheel. That's your bread and butter. That's where I like to be, you know, like, and it's funny because a lot of times you'll find a ton of deer sign and like, and I can still see the truck. Absolutely. Once you get in the tree, you know, mm -hmm. not from the ground, but like, um, I probably shouldn't say too much of that because then people are going to start figuring out where I'm hunting. But Driving um, a truck. Uh, yeah, my new truck is bright red. Yeah. So everybody knows what it looks like. Rent a U-Haul. Yeah. Um, now what I've started doing now, actually, uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll park like, you know, 500 yards down Opposite the trail. side of the road. No, not <laughs> the opposite side of the road because everybody does that. Like every time I see a truck, I just assume people went in the other side. But I'll, I'll park like 500 yards down or some distance down and then I'll ride my bike down the road and then go in. Because yeah. I mean, frankly, like if you do that, people might know like, oh, he's hunting near here, but it's like, good luck figuring out exactly where I went in, Oh yeah. you know? And within a 500 yard stretch of road, there's like infinite directions you can go. So um, it's kind of worked out for me. Yeah, I, again, that's, you know, you have all obviously been successful hunting like that oh, when I hunt that. when I hunt public land I, I won't see anybody every single time I'm in I'm the first one in and I'm the last one out well first of all because I'm so dang far away um, but there's there's nobody there because they'll make it halfway three quarters and you know three miles four miles sweating at you know 90 degrees at that four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, they're like, you know, screw this. Yeah. I, I'm the one that's like, well, I, I should probably have a life alert because if I, yeah. I may not make it out of here. So it's I probably pack, a good idea. Back plenty of water. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Like, I, I've gone to plenty of places where I'll walk out ridiculously far, but a lot of times, like, 
I don't find as much sign in those places as I do in the closer ones. So I'll, I'll hunt wherever the sign is. It's yeah. kind of like my thing. Hunting people too. Um, but anyway, um, so I don't know about you, but I'm like really starting to get the itch for, for deer hunting again. Like, like I feel like every year there's like this period at the end of the season where I'm like, uh, I'm over it. Like I kind of want it to be over because I'm just tired and it only lasts like a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm back in like, I need to start figuring out where I'm going. I need to start scouting. Um, and you know, me and Danny have tried like different approaches through the years to try and use this time well. But the problem that I'm sure you're aware of as well is like, you can scout all you want right now, find deer. And then like two, three weeks before the season starts, that rut kicks in and the rain, like the water levels get really high and everything changes. Oh yeah. And so we've actually found that a lot of times if we just like don't put in the effort, sometimes our season will be better because we don't get like hung up on places we thought were gonna be good. Overthinking. Exactly. Um, But that said, I'm always trying to find ways to use this time of the year to, you know, up my chances. And so I'm kind of curious, like, what are you doing this time of year? Like, um, on, um, like the majority of the properties that I'm hunting, um, now is public land. So, um, I'll do the same strategy. I'll go out with a, with a camera and, you know, shoot them with my cannon. I, um, uh, take pictures that way. I really don't put a whole lot of game cameras out at this time uh, simply because uh, the change in pattern is going to be drastic. It's almost like I'm scouting now where the bucks are going to be that I'm seeing now are areas that I'm not going to be at when season comes. As hard as, as hard as it is, you see them, you're like, oh my gosh, there's a big buck here. Well, from what I've learned on camera is they will... the the smaller bucks, they will disperse far enough away where I'm not getting them on any of the five or six cameras that I have out within a mile of each other. I mean, they are gone. But the bigger bucks, they won't be in that area. They'll be a quarter to a half mile away um, once they get hardhorn and from when they're velvet. And so they'll, they'll be about a mile, and that's what I've what I found. And so where my cameras are, or what I see now, I kind of, you can go on an aerial, drop a pin, and then do a radius and do a half a mile radius outside of that. And then that is where I would start to put my cameras for um, when they get hardhorn. Okay. So like, so are there any particular like types of features you're looking for during like this time of year versus once they start getting hard horned? Like, um, like for instance, like what are you looking for now to find big bucks? And then once you've found them and, and then you draw that radius on a map, what are you looking for like on the, on the aerial inside of that radius where you're like, I think that's where they're gonna end up? Um, cover, thick. Um, food source is hard uh, in Florida. Oak trees would be great uh, if you can get into them uh, and you have a good crop and you're looking around October. So here in South Florida, muzzleloader, some end of bow season, that would be a good place. Uh, and 
I mean, it's, it's really just feet on the ground and transition areas where um, wet, swampy uh, meets higher. So topo maps. Yeah. I, and I, I do a lot of that too. I get an area and uh, download the topo maps. I can't even remember the websites, but um, I do a lot of due diligence, about as much time, if not more, on a computer than I do with my feet on the ground. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a cool thing about like these days. There's so many tools that we can use. Oh, absolutely. Um, you Tons. know, a lot of people are like, oh, like that's making the hunt less pure. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, if you didn't use it, you'd be kind of stupid. Yeah, no. if, if you have if you have the resources, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it'd be like, oh, it's cheating because you have an electric bike. Uh, okay, but if you can afford one and, and to get one, then you'd probably have one. But you know what? <laughs> like this is kind of like going off on a tangent. But like on that note, I feel like all these tools that we have now that make it potentially easier, like an e-bike and all that stuff. It's like you almost need it nowadays because society just demands so much more of our time for like work and things like we we have less time to be in the woods than people used to have you know but that said if i didn't have an e-bike and i had to get that far out i'd still figure out a way to do it oh yeah you know it would just suck more yeah and i uh and i'm sure you were doing it before i'd get get dropped off i'd have to i used to do that i don't even hunt those areas anymore but um, <clears throat> I, I went off on a tangent. What were we saying? Uh, uh, what were we looking for? Oh, um, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So tr- yeah, transition areas, uh, multiple habitats that. Ego. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you know the proper verbiage better <laughs> than I do. But yeah, where were those transition areas? If you can get two of them, which is more common, three is even better. Four, that, that would be the area from Cypress to uh, Creek or Ditch. I mean, it's just habitat diversity That's really it. is like what it comes down to. And, and, and there's, there's like a whole ecological reason for that. You know, when you have that habitat diversity, you just have more resources for them. You have bedding cover right next to a food source, right next to water. You know, you get all of it in the same place. Yeah. And if you're a big buck and you know there's things out there trying to kill you, if you don't have to move very far and you have a safe spot where you've got everything you need, Absolutely, and I learned, and I learned that simply from uh, um, hunt, hunt the public. I mean, that's what the hunting public. Yeah, that's yeah. what they've always mentioned, and it's theirs is a lot more drastic than ours when they when mm-hmm. they're hunting up north. Um, so here, you you can barely even tell what it is on an aerial photo because everything's green. Yeah, all the time. The only thing that really stands out is maybe like oak trees yeah oak and and flag ponds yeah Uh, palmettos yeah but it could be dry and a flag pond looks like just bare pasture or just an open area that was cleared and then you get out there in august and you're waist deep of water yep (laughs) which there's still deer there but yeah so so that's always uh something that that I find really funny and I'm kind of curious what you think about this like people are always like oh yeah like deer in Florida like they don't care about water like they they don't mind being in water and and to some degree I'm like yeah that's true like they're not afraid of walking through water if they got to get from one place to another they got to go through the water 
Absolutely, they're going to do it. If you're on that trail and it's covered in water, they're still going to walk it. But they're not bedding. I mean, they will bed down for short periods of time in water, but they're not sleeping longer periods of time in water. And so uh, my theory is like path of least resistance. If yeah. they can get somewhere without going through the water safely, they're probably not going to walk through the water. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So like I'm always like I'm not afraid of hunting over water. But I'm always trying to keep that in mind. Like, if I can find a place where they can sneak through to get from, you know, whatever a food source to a bedding area and it's dry, that's probably going to be a better bet in my mind. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, the, the reason I like, the only reason I like water is the fact that it keeps people out a lot of the times. They don't, you know, it'll go over to their boots. Um, and so it just kind of, limits the pressure in those in those areas don't uh, wear boots yeah but again <laughs> i love i love the fact that you can actually hear them it's not like up north mm-hmm. where the leaves fall and you can sit there with your eyes closed if you wanted to and, and hear deer coming from a, a couple hundred yards here they just show up unless yep. you're near water and then you can hear things walking um, so that that's really the the two advantages that i've seen with water um, that and if you can get multiple places with with water and funnels you know yeah. two flag ponds and then there's a um, a, a little hourglass of of mm-hmm. palmettos or something then you know absolutely right there in the dry and yeah they'll like you said they'll or they'll walk that edge yep like, they'll walk that edge yeah. or they'll sit there and like you said they they'll bed down in in water for a break maybe to cool off uh, other than that if you can get on the side of some uh, some marshy area and there's a, a one oak tree on the edge well the root system of that oak tree is going to be slightly higher and they were there will be deer yeah it down and i've seen uh, uh, two occasions where i've come up where everything has been flooded after hurricanes and on the edge of, of ditches that were dug out was the only dry spot and you drive along the edge of that and every animal it seemed like in the entire area was there oh yeah yeah i've seen that too um like well, I'm not, I'm not going to name this particular area, but there's an area down south that has a fair amount of deer, but lately it's just been getting flooded so much just because of the way that they're managing water flow in the Everglades. And the deer just kind of live on the levees. They have to. Yeah, they don't really have much of a choice. But <clears throat> you you make a good point, though. Like, you, like you'll find a deer, like I've, I've seen this plenty of times, where, like, it, everything will be water, and it'll be, like, you know, like six inches of water, like nothing like they, they don't really care about it but again they're not going to want to lay down in it and if they stay in water for too long they get hoof rot and stuff like yeah. that but they'll find like like a little patch that's like no bigger than like a yard mm-hmm. across and they'll just lay on that and yep. they're they're high and dry and it'll just be like some weird little knoll like a little bump and that's all they need so it makes it really hard to find bedding area because in florida it's like flat everything everything can be bedding area Mm -hmm. you know um you know people are always asking like and you mentioned the the hunting public thing and this is like this has always been you know i've talked to some hunting public guys a few times and i'm always trying to get them to come to florida because i've I've told them to too (laughs) yeah i mean they know it but i i think really the reason they don't do it is because it's tough you know it's hot who wants to be out here in the heat 
I mean, I they got a, they got a little taste of it when they came down and turkey hunted. Yeah, but, but it's it's cool in turkey season, you know. Yeah. And and Zach even I think he was mentioning during one of his podcasts that like they saw a lot of deer and they were kind of surprised by it. And I was kind of expecting them to come down and and hunt deer because of that. And I don't know why they haven't yet. So if you guys end up listening to this, I'm calling you out. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would love I, and I'd love for you guys to capitalize and and stick something. Yeah. That would be. That would be epic. Get get Zach out here in his ghillie suit. That'd be awesome. But but anyway, um, you know, one of the problems is like they, I mean, they've you can't deny they've done amazing things for the public land hunting community in general. But it's oh, so hard. It's so hard to relate what they are preaching to Florida it because is. Florida is so different. But you kind of touched on something earlier that like, I totally agree with, like all of those concepts apply in Florida. It just looks different, you know? Like, uh, do you know Richard Martinez? The name rings a bell. He's like the turkey slayer from down south. Like he's like, anyway, he's always talking about how um, in other parts of the country or world, whatever, you have like altitude changes that define different habitat types so you'll have like you know these ridges that are like several hundred feet or you'll have mountains in florida habitat change happens in inches yeah so like you can have an area that's like six inches higher than the rest and it's a completely different habitat you've got you know uh pine flatwoods and palmettos and then like three inches lower down now you suddenly you can have oak hammocks that sometimes turn into swamps when yep. rivers flood you know um, and so it makes it really, when people are like, oh yeah, ridges, like we like to hunt ridges and saddles. Like, well, what does that look like in Florida? And it's completely different. Yeah, um, they both have their struggles too. I mean, you have to, um, you know, climb hills there. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't have the hams to be able to do that. I got these skinny Florida legs. So, um, yeah, they, they definitely have, uh, you know, a struggle with, you know, going up and down the hills for different habitat there. When mm-hmm. we have our own struggles here with heat and water, and then the animals that live in the water. And staying hydrated. Yeah, staying yeah. hydrated and, and 100% humidity. Yeah. And uh, a food source, that, that is the, the, another big thing there. You know, they have trees and yes, deer browse. Um, Corn fields. Yeah, but we, you have, you know, oaks, that's the only thing you can really hunt down. I mean, yes, there's some other little little things, but uh, goldberry flats, yeah. man. Those yeah. are those are like my go-to when it comes to November. That's where they're gonna be. Yeah, it's just again finding them, and you're yeah. not gonna find that on a aerial photo. Yeah, you got to get there and check it out. So, so that actually like touches on something again that like excites me. Over there, you can really pattern deer because. Their pattern is pretty simple. There's food over here, there's water over here, and there's bedding over here, and they gotta walk between them. And so like up there, like if you watch uh, a lot of hunting stuff up north, people are talking about like, oh, I got this buck patterned, and like he's gonna, he walks this trail in the morning, and then he walks this trail in the evening. But here, like, you can't do that because like you said, there's food sources everywhere, and they're just browsing as they're moving through the woods. So like, but I remember you saying that you've had some success trying to pattern big bucks. Oh yeah. And like, 
I want I want to know more about that because like I have I have seen some deer follow patterns for short periods of time for like maybe a week or something. Like I'll give an example. This was last year in um, that place. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, I was I went out there. It was like it was my first time hunting it. Muzzleloader. I got it on a reissue and went out there and just like happened upon a real nice 10 point. Just saw it randomly from the levee. I was like, oh crap, that's a nice buck. And uh, it was like right as the sun was going down, I left, came back a couple days later to check the area out to see like what I could find. And I find this like, this area that's just like destroyed with rubs and like, I'm like, this buck lives here like this is his bedroom and it's like such a stupid spot you're just like why are you still alive you're right next to the levee everybody just rode right past it like nobody paid attention to it so um i pick out a tree there's only one tree you know how that area is it's like this is the tree i gotta be in to get this buck and i come back the day before the hunt and i I'm like, I got to set up my stuff beforehand because it was such a messed up tree. It was like angled like this. And I was like, I'm not doing this in the dark. No. I need to get this set up before. So I climb up the tree and I'm up there doing stuff and see something moving. Holy crap. This buck is walking the same exact trail that I just saw him in the other day. And he's just doing the same thing. Next morning comes, he comes walking the same trail again from the other side. Unfortunately, right about that time, Ryan Nitz came riding by on his e-bike, <laughs> spotted it before it was in range for me and shot it. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, but like, I'll see those like patterns emerge for like a few days, but I rarely see it like stick. But I, I'm curious if you, like what your experience has been with patterning bucks in, in um, I. I've kind of integrated um, my profession in real estate market and, um, you know, over time and history and it repeats itself, um, you know, average sales and how long things take to sell and areas. And I kind of blended that in with, with deer. So I put out, you know, it doesn't matter how many cameras, uh, the more the merrier. And I record on an Excel spreadsheet, every single buck and group of does, uh, bucks are obviously easier to, uh, I guess, distinguish from each other. Mm -hmm. But um, right, I put them all down, the dates, the times, in the camera, which direction they were heading in my camera, so going left to right, right to left, um, the wind direction of, of that day I'll go back online and past history for weather for that area. Um, uh, moon phase, um, the uh, sunrise, sunset times, and all those are in columns along with that deer for that particular day, that picture. And then again, and then again, and again. And then I do that for every single day, every picture that, that I get. And then I will go through, highlight every single one of them that is within uh, daylight or shooting hours or if there's not I know what direction they were so I pull the cameras relocate 
backtrack, even if it's 50 yards, mm -hmm. slowly but surely. So I don't miss, you know, where they, you know, I don't pass by their trail. And then I keep going out and never see them. So slowly How, how often do you like make those camera adjustments? Um, it, more if I have less cameras out, but if I have more cameras out, it, it makes it a lot easier because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm casing an entire area, yeah. a specific area. So, uh, uh, and that's how I've, I've done it. I've seen bucks on, uh, you know, and how fast, you know, the average deer travels, um, you know, not chasing does, but um, just their normal walking routine at night, feeding, grazing, and, um, you know, how fast they, they walk and then the distance and then I can figure out how much time it's taking them to get from point A to point B. Um, so you, you actually like record like the distance between your cameras and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, every single one. Dude. And so I can backtrack everything because if I have a deer A on, on, on one day or on one camera and at the same night as I do on B, but it took six hours to get there. Mm-hmm but the distance between those two cameras is only 200 yards well where in the world was he was he he wasn't bedding down that entire time no. or was he so yeah. then i look at the areas between those two did he do a big loop well i have a camera over there on that other trail well he didn't pass that one mm -hmm. and so it's it's just a, a a checkers chess match where where he was when and then why and then you know of course you have other variables uh, pressure yeah. So somebody could come in and, and push them off. And so I've done that enough times and I, I've done it two specific areas over, over years. Uh, I've been doing it probably religiously now for four, four years. And so these, these two, not those two. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I just continue to do that. And so more data that I have, and then I have averages. Well, once if I shoot it or somebody else shoots a, uh, this big buck that I've been chasing, well, that's big buck territory. So a younger buck's going to move in, he'll grow, mm -hmm. and it's going to be the same area. So I've done it two or three times now where I have pinpointed when this particular buck or two are in a, this area, and within three days, if I hunt morning and afternoon for three days, I, there's no reason besides uh, you know, a change in somebody pressure from human mm -hmm. that this deer should not be give me a shot opportunity yeah. and two times now that I've actually utilized that information I killed um, one deer one, uh, first day I hunted it um, and the second time I had uh, one out of two bucks show up uh, I didn't have a shot opportunity and then the next morning, the bigger buck showed up and I shot him. Damn. So in day two, but it was the amount of work it, it, it takes uh, to do the detail online and weather and driving the wife crazy while I'm sitting there on a computer typing in every single piece of data that I, I can. Um, it, it, it's just, it's a lot of time. It, it really is, uh, but I, I crave it. I didn't. I actually never found that buck. I shot it. He reacted to my shot at forty. I think it was forty yards, forty-two yards. Wait, was that was that the year that I killed my buck? Or uh, 
I think it may have been. I shot it and then I went back there for. You were looking for it for like weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I remember. I shot. And he he was not even looking. He was broadside and. Was his head up, down or up? Up. He really? was just looking ahead at uh, some other deer in a swamp and. I didn't even have to stop him. He stopped himself. I had time earlier to range it, uh, drew back, and as soon as I shot, he heard the bow go off, and he spun to run back from where he was going, and my arrow hit him about three inches below his throat patch while he turned to run back where he was coming from, and then I watched him run with it sticking out of his, his throat like a unicorn, and uh, followed blood for two, 300 yards, big piles of it. And then by that time, it was about one o'clock and it was hot and I was uh, starting to have a heat stroke. So I was like, I'm backing out and I'll have to come back later. So came back later with a dog and the dog got out in front of us uh, 20 yards too much and the buck was still alive. Jumped oh, up man. and ran and then we tracked him through water. Um, and it was a total of 900 and something yards. And then he disappeared into a giant marsh. And I went back for four or five days looking for buzzards, looking for something, never found him. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I mean. Giant eight. With, a, with an injury like that, I mean, you'd think that would, that would get him. But I mean, if the buzzards didn't show up, at least, I mean, did you ever see that buck again? No, I never saw him. From what I was told, nobody else has seen him. He could have ran to pub, private land. I, you yeah. know, he could have easily got, you know, sucked down by a gator. I mean, there's no telling. But Damn. all I know is there was no, no sign of him since that last drop of blood. So um, I'm going on a tangent again. That was with a compound bow. Mm -hmm. You have since got. Oh yeah, I've converted. I've converted. You have converted completely. Like, do you even have a compound bow anymore? Yeah, I still have the same um, Realm SR6. Oh, that's a great bow. Yeah. Um, would you even use it anymore? I, I bring it with me. All depends on on the situation. Uh, if I'm hunting thick cover, uh, I will. I ninety percent of the time, I I try to stick to my recurve. Yeah. Um, and what a lot of people don't know is I rarely sit in tree stands. I, I like to be mobile. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll get up in a tree stand. I'll even bring them out. <laughs> and then I leave them at the bottom of a tree and, then, really. and then walk in and, and hunt and I'll leave it there all season. And never, I have so many tree stands probably I've left. Um, but I do have it for situations where if I have to uh, make farther shots, uh, yes, I could probably pull off a 30, 30, 40 yard shot with a with a recurve, but I won't. Yeah, that's, I, I, that's I'm, pushing it. No, how I set up, I'm I'm 10 to 20 yards. Mm -hmm. That's, and I'm, I'm in thick cover, and 95% of the time I'm in a ghillie suit. I, and that's that's how I, I wanna hunt. It's, it's definitely different. Like, I, I really like the idea of a recurve. Like, I, I mean, I'm not a super experienced hunter. You know, a lot of people like see our YouTube channel and think like, these guys are like I mean Danny's been hunting for way longer than I have but I mean I started hunting when I was I mean, this is like my seventh year you know like I don't feel confident enough to do that um, I still don't even feel super confident you know with with any setup but I love this game like I'm I'm just as obsessed with it as anybody else but 
Um, and I think that set up how I how I spend so much time scouting, you know, even virtually or in person. Mm-hmm. That that gives you the confidence. And yes, I still have buck fever, absolutely. But it was it, it, it's kind of turned kind of back when I, I played sports. Um, you know, I have that adrenaline rush, but instead of the 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 fight or flight the flight portion of it it's fight and it i it's like i turn my hat around and it's game time as soon as yeah. everything instead of everything speeds up everything slows down and i already have the scenario in my head how this is going to happen and and you know release arrow and everything what happens between the time that i release that arrow and impact is is up to luck yeah everything else is either going to be my fault or you know that that's the only option yeah and or i'm just not taking a shot so it's uh yes there's there's again variables that anything can happen branches that you didn't see but again i have i'm in an area i'm seeing and 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 already visualized how i'm assuming this scenario is going to work out mm-hmm. and i hope it does 99 percent of the time it's not it'll be similar <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I think the deer's coming from left to right, and he's coming dead on. And now I mean, I'm like, oh usually, gosh, that's usually my experience. I'll get back to that in a sec, but I want to touch on the point that I was going to make. Like one of the things I really like about the stick bow idea is that you can generally you're shooting faster. You know, there's like no, you know, with a compound you're like drawing, and then you're like kind of you know getting settled in, and there's so much going on that you you're like getting. Your, your peep and your site housing lined up and it just takes time and I really like the idea of like instinctive sort of shooting I mean I know you still have anchor points and stuff and you still aim but I think it's different with a recurve and so like are you familiar with like uh, I think whitetail adrenaline mm-hmm. so like one of their guys like uses a stick bow too and like I remember watching like one of these videos where he's just like his buck comes in it doesn't do exactly what he wants it's like further than he thought and he was just like he just pulls up and flings an arrow like just instinctively like doesn't even really aim yeah he just had to do and it's like those situations where you like have to make a quick shot like you can do that with a stick bow you can't do that with a compound you know the way that valley is like you can't just yank it back and send it no they both have their the the difference that I've learned because I shot compounds for a lot longer than I have a recurve is mm-hmm. I a compound you can hand it to anybody and within two weeks they're they're hitting a, a they'll great, make a twenty yard shot no they'll make a, they'll make a grape you know hit a grapefruit out to forty as as long as the pins want to go yeah. I mean it's that's how it is but when it comes to a recurve it's it's anchor point it's the cant on the bow it's having the proper arrows and I've spent ridiculous amounts of money on arrows and different spines and everything just to find out that it it was the way I was holding the bow yeah <laughs> you know it was it was a twist in my wrist it was me pulling the shot it was not having the right anchor point and you have to put a lot more practice into a recurve or or longbow uh, probably 10 times more yeah and but then once that has became become an automated involuntary you know uh, know, reaction of where to anchor Mm -hmm. and and everything then it's easy 
yeah. then then that's all it is. It's involuntary. You just you naturally know what to do, and then when it comes down to the but you, it, again, you know what to do, but it's going to be quick. Yeah. And then when it, when you have a compound, um, you you pull back, and yes, you are going to be a lot. You're going to be a, more accurate yeah. at the end of the day. Um, so you, and you have a lot better chance at further distances as well and speed. Mm-hmm. So a lot less things to go wrong, but. They, of course, they both have their challenges, um, and again, that's the reason why I changed. Yeah. Again, I wanted to feed the challenge. Well, yeah. I mean, you and I are similar in that respect, and like, you know, I used to fish a lot. Like, I loved fishing, and then once I got into hunting, like, I don't really care about fishing anymore. And it's not that I don't enjoy it; like, I enjoy it, but I think of it as this like easy thing. It's like, you tell me, like go catch a big snook. Okay, I'll go catch a big snook. Like, I can yeah. guarantee that if I put a, you know, a few days in, I'll catch a big snook. Right. You go, I want you to go out there and catch a redfish. Okay, I'll go catch a red. You know, like, it, it's, the, the challenge kind of fell away. Like, I had, and I always joke about this, like, a lot of people don't know this either, but like, I, I have a PhD, like, I'm a I'm, I'm, I'm doctor. I'm, I'm a doctor of marine science and like people consider that to be like a really big feat and I'm like I mean that was pretty easy in my mind because like they basically told me what I had to do and I did it the biggest feat is is sitting in a classroom well yeah (laughs) I mean for that length of time at least for me (laughs) for a PhD it's like there's a lot less classroom time because it's like research and stuff like that like really it's discipline like just sticking with it Um, but I'll tell you what, like I've never found more of a challenge than deer hunting. And that's why I love it so much because it's always changing and you never know exactly what's going to happen. And, and so I always joke, I'm like, yeah, getting a PhD was easy. Like killing bucks consistently in Florida, that's tough. Oh know? yeah, absolutely. Um, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to backtrack to something you said earlier. Um, Two, well, two things that kind of came together. So earlier on, you, you mentioned like in Florida, like our habitat, like the reason you like water is you can hear a deer coming. And in Florida, like you don't hear them. They're just suddenly there. Oh, yeah. And then so that plus you have an idea of how they're going to do things. And then instead of coming from left to right, they're like coming dead on. That's been my experience. Like every time I'm like, yeah, they're going to come out of this spot and they're gonna walk across and then like when it happens never even close to what I imagined I think the only I think I've killed maybe three bucks where they did exactly what I thought they were gonna do um and like I killed last year I killed two bucks that did things I never imagined a deer would do like the first one I and this was actually like this is my probably my biggest buck um, that I've ever killed, and it was it was my first uh, buck with a bow, like first big buck with a bow, um, and so I was like super excited about this. But like, I was hunting this uh, this spot in Central Florida where, again, right next to like just the silliest spot you could possibly imagine. Like, if somebody saw me in this tree, they'd be like, "What a jackass," you know. <laughs> Like, what are you doing? You're sitting... You're, the, you're that guy. <laughs> ...on the trail, you know? Like, on it, next to the road. 
And but the reason I was there, it's not because I'm lazy. It's because that's where the sign was. I was like, there's a trail crossing here. There's a trail here. There's a trail here. And I had to put a camera on it because I was like, well, there's clearly deer trails here. Like, I don't know what's crossing, but there's like several trails crossing. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to put a camera on it. I put a camera on it. And like, you know, this is like hunting a place that you don't get to go too often. You don't get to scout it much. You like put one heavy day of scouting and put a bunch of cameras out and you show up and you look at the cameras and then you have to make a decision because you have you know, four days to hunt it or whatever it is. I can't remember. But so I check all the cameras. Like, I was like, well, this one spot's got like some bucks and a lot of people. And then this other spot was like, well, there's this one buck that was real nice, but he didn't show up that often. Like, am I going to sit in this spot like for the entire weekend, hoping this one buck walks by when he's only been there a few times? Like, no, that's not it. And I go to this other spot and it's just like, there's so many deer and this one buck He's been here like every other day. Um, and he was there last night, like at seven o'clock, like right before, you know, end of shooting light. I was like, yeah, that's where I'm going. Yeah. And what I didn't realize was the trails that I had identified, they were not the only trails. No. <laughs> there was more trails that I just like didn't even know were there. So I'm like, all right, he's gonna come from the left or he's gonna come from over here. And I'm just like sitting there in the tree and then all of a sudden I like, oh, and I was already feeling down in the dumps because a big buck, which I don't know if it was the same buck because it was basically dark when it happened. Like I was sitting in the tree and a big buck came out grunting, chasing a doe 30 yards from me. And I was like, shit, that was him. Like that was the buck. So I was like, well, I missed my opportunity. And like maybe an hour later, I'm just sitting there and I was like, oh, there's something moving right there. And and there's like this branch and I just see like deer legs like behind the branch. And I'm like, oh, there's a deer. And then it like steps out from behind the branch and I was like, oh, holy crap. And it's like, just walked straight to my tree. Like I shot it at seven yards and it was like no cover around me from that angle. Like there was nothing to hide my movement. Like I was like, I'm screwed. And I just, I mean, I've had that happen so many times when they just like appear and you just have to do something. And it literally in that situation, I was just like, he's either going to bust me or I'm going to shoot him. Yeah. Like it's one of those two. And I just, I kind of like, I was hunting out of a saddle. So the trees like between me and him and I just waited as long as I could. And I just pointed the camera at him and like, I just waited and waited until he was literally right behind my tree so that I could swing around the tree as he walked by the other side. And like, I just swung, drew, and just sent it like right there. And I couldn't believe it. Cause like it, I mean, it, the way, it's just funny how that happens. Like you have no idea what's well, You're already happen. down in the dumps and, and thinking you missed your opportunity. Yeah. And then everything happens within- Seconds. Absolutely. I mean, it, it feels like forever, but you know, it's, it's less than a minute. Oh, it, do, it does not feel like forever to me. I'm still at that stage where like fight or flight kicks in and like flight, flight is definitely like, I'm, I'm just a mess. Like buck fever hits me like nothing you've like ever, like I'm just a disaster. I don't remember what happened, like what was going on. It's all instinct. And like people ask me at the end, like what? What happened? I don't where'd remember. you shoot? Where'd you aim? I'm like, I don't know. I know I shot it in the vitals, like that's all. 
but I mean, that was such a cool hunt because I, I shot it and like, I, I tried out this whole like, uh, single bevel like rage not obviously not rage mm -hmm. but like the single bevel thing that's like everybody's like all about and um I, I guess i slipped it right between his ribs and then it slipped between the ribs on the other side too so he didn't even know he was hit no like he had Those no the best he had no clue like he was just he jumped and i don't know if you've seen this video but he like runs like 10 yards and then he's just like what the heck was that and he just wanders off and then he's like man i'm feeling a little woozy i'm tired and then he just like goes and lays down and he's just sitting there in the bushes like falls over and that was it and then I, and then i had another buck that again like i was in the right area but the way that he walked to my tree i didn't even know that was an option like he went through like you know head high like goldberries and maples. I was like, there's not even a trail there. But then when I got down and went to track, I was like, oh, <laughs> there's a trail here, you know? So and I've, um, seen, I've seen that too, where um, the big bucks, they won't walk on, I mean, I, I'm sure they do, but the majority of the time they're playing the wind so much that uh, they'll, they'll be, there's a trail off of the other trails that are it could be 10 yards. It could be mm -hmm. 30 yards. Like parallel yeah, to them? every single yeah. time. And then if the trail curves, it'll it'll finally cross their trail. But the majority of the time, it is downwind of that other tra of that main trail, even roads. Mm -hmm. So they can smell other deer or predators or us. Um, and that's, that's what I've noticed. I'm on a deer trail, and I'm like, oh, I got does, does, does. And then I look up, and that's that big buck that I never found. I was on... I was at, at 10 yards was the trail I was expecting. I knew the area, mm -hmm. but where he was going to come from. And then, no, 42 yards, There's there was his trail. Yeah. But I, and and I, he probably walks that other trail at night. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So you get pictures, you're like, oh, this is it. Yeah. But, man. Yeah. And I had, I had him on four different cameras and um, narrowed him down to two spots. And one spot, it was... It was going to be about six days. One time within six days, I should have a shot opportunity. And then mm -hmm. the other one was three. So I was like, oh, I'm going to this one. And bam, that's, it worked out. It did and it didn't. Yeah, well, I mean, you got him close and you got a shot off. As far as I'm concerned, that's a success. I mean, obviously getting meat in the freezer is, is the goal, but. Yeah, you, and that's. You can't win them all. And you mentioned too, you like, you, you go for meat in the freezer and I have the uh, the opportunity and, and the blessing of hunting private land in uh, in January in Alabama. Mm -hmm. so, so you're not worried about meat. No, and I can hunt. I, I I hunt it. I'm the only one that hunts it in October uh, when we're up there doing plots. And so while I'm up there, yes, I have cameras out, and of course I'd shoot a big buck if I can. But out of a week after doing food plots and and getting the camp and stuff ready for hunting season. I'll, I'll shoot, I'll shoot a couple of does. Mm -hmm. And so I have some meat in the freezer and then I'm, I'm back here. And, and a lot of times it's, I'm so far back. I want it a hundred percent it to be worth it. I'd rather yeah. come out with my pack light yeah. and not be killing myself than dragging a doe. I know you won't, you won't see me shoot a, a hog on public land. 
Yeah. No. Well, I, I know a couple other guys that are like that, and I, actually one of them will probably have on the podcast here soon. So I think you know uh, Dustin Graber. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to have him on the podcast soon, too. Just so you know, Dustin. Not that he listens to the podcast. Get ready. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's the same way. Like, I hunted with him a little bit last year. And again, another one of these examples of, like, short patterns. I had this nice eight-point. Um he probably he didn't think it was that nice, but I thought it was nice. Like it was, you know, it's like a ninety, like mid nineties eight point or something like that. Right, with a recurve, that's a two hundred. <laughs> Dude, I'll take. I'm it, not. Man. I'm <laughs> not picky when it comes to a recurve. Yeah, no, I got you. But uh, it was like every day. It was at this one camera, and I was like, "That's it." And it was like a week before the hunt, and then in that week leading up to the hunt, just poof, disappeared. And, and then like the hunt came around like we didn't really have any options like we didn't really know what was what was what like where the, and so we just started hunting rubs and stuff like that and just trying to make something happen but, yeah time in the woods it's just like man it sucks especially when you're doing like a quota permit and you like you know you use up a bunch of points oh and yeah then, and then suddenly that deer that you thought you had figured out just disappears on you man yeah and that's why i always have uh, you know, a plan B. Yeah. And I'll try to my hunt my spot. Shoot a hog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine is just to is just pull a 180 and and go to a place that is that I've either seen or heard of other deer being. Yeah. And and again, that's why I, I like hunting on the ground mm-hmm. instead of just being stuck and focused on one spot. I mean, if I if I have a deer and I know within three days if I'm going to be in that area, yeah. and I don't like to walk it, I'm I'm in there once and and that's it. I'm not walking around. I I'm pissing bottles like nobody knows I'm there. I'm yeah. in a ghillie suit. It's the deer. I'm hiding from people as much as I am deer. Everything and so I as little you know, less intrusive as possible. And so I I'll go in and I hunt a place, but I'll hunt it hard and then. If it if it's not that, then I'm I'm out. I'm, yeah. I'll, I'm going to a completely different area instead of you know going to an area and then just constantly walking around and sweating and yeah. But some people and I've seen deer walk right behind me uh, on a trail. But yeah. then there's some deer that it bothers and I'm no scent bothers and, no deer. So I'm going to go ahead and go that route. Yeah, I mean it, it really depends like what they're. Th- it's like you know people think about deer as like these like robotic creatures sometimes like oh they're focused on this and they're focused on that and it's like but deer have personalities too you know like some of them they'll be like focused on something else and like completely ignore your scent and then other ones will like pick up on scent from like your boots from the last like a day ago mm-hmm. and freak out you know oh yeah you know, a wise doe will bust you every time <laughs> yeah um crap i just had a thought i lost it oh um have you ever like done like a bump and dump kind of hunt you know like the hunting public talks about this a lot like you like spook a deer but he didn't smell you you just kind of like heard something and ran away and then you set up in there and wait for him to come back have you ever done anything like that uh, depending on the time of the year um i'll i'll do that but again i, I i'm i don't i don't even know what i spooked because i'm i'm there two hours before daylight yeah. yeah deer might blow or run and after you know going in without any lights while i'm wearing a ghillie suit a lot of times i'll have the ghillie suit in my backpack so i'm not sweating all over it but 
um, no, you know, no lights going in, the deer won't blow. They just you hear things. You'll, you'll hear stuff running off. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Duck, doe, raccoon. You know, I, I don't know. But and I never saw them until yeah. I get to my area, and then I'm, you know, trying to fight mosquitoes in the dark for you know another hour and a half before light. So yeah, I've, I go to a particular area. Yeah, I might have spooked it. Did I spook that deer? And then that's the one I saw later, and they came back. I, I don't know. Yeah. And it, when it when it comes to, I think I've done it. The what would you call it? The bump and the bump and dump. The bump and dump. It's I, like bump the deer and yeah. then dump your stuff and set up. You know. Yeah, like, I, I'm sure I have done it uh, unintentionally. Just yeah. just did not know. Uh, but uh, I hunt when I'm hunting public land. I'm I'm there all day long. I'm not. I my. You don't go back to the truck. Nope. No, I guess if you're going out four miles, like, yeah, everything. Four or five miles is probably the longest. Um, Other than that, it's. I'm over. Over a mile and a half. Probably two miles, no matter where. And yes, there's better places that are in, but again, I can't grasp. I'm out there to be by myself, quiet. Mm -hmm. It's almost like meditation. Yeah. And so for me to to go and set up and then see another human, it's like I'm out here not to see human. I, yeah. I deal with people all day long selling real estate. Actually, actually, I have like a, a funny, like I have a different way of thinking about it. Like I see other people and I'm just like, man, now I just want to kill something even more just so I can rub it in their face. <laughs> Drag it out. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I love, I just love that light. And it's something that's like public land, like. I love when people walk by me and see me in that stupid spot and they're like, what the, they look at you like, what the hell is this guy doing? And then, you know, they come out for lunch or whatever and, and they catch up to you dragging a deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what I love about, you know, shoot something in the morning or, uh, you know, they're coming back, they're starting to walk back to the truck and you're dragging a deer out at two o'clock. Yeah. And they're like, how did that, where, it's either this guy was far or this was just a late moving deer. Mm-hmm. Or you shoot something in the evening and the guys that finally get back to their trucks, they think they were out late and far and then your truck's still sitting there. They're like, it's either he shot something mm-hmm. or, you know, he was real far away or, yeah. or, or, or no, some, he must've shot something cause he didn't go that far. Nobody, nobody's crazy enough to go that, you know, to do that, to get to where that is. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it always drives me crazy. Like people that get out of their tree, like before shooting light. Oh. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you know, that, that's the thing about like the evening. Like I, I almost like hunting afternoons better than mornings because like the, the way I think about it is like in the morning, your chances decrease as your morning hunt goes yep. on. You know, like you have, li- a, you have a thirty-minute window. Well, not necessarily. I mean, I've killed plenty of deer like later in the morning. Like, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer in staying set up until like noon. Yeah. If you know you're in a good spot, and then get down for like an hour, you know, eat something, like you know, drink some water, and get back in the tree because especially during rut and during those first couple hunts of the season, the deer don't know they're being hunted yet. They have no problem moving in the middle of the day. No. And, um, but that's why I, this is like the reason I like hunting afternoons, but like if I had to choose, like it'd be afternoons always yeah. because I like one that I can go in, it's daylight. I can see, I can pick out, like I love doing the whole, just like walk in, like what are they, a hanging hunt just go in like find 
fresh sign. Like, oh, this looks great. I'm going to climb that tree. And like, I've killed things plenty of times. Like first time I've ever been there, climb a tree and like, the deer don't have a clue. They've never smelled you in there. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that has, that was either there. I've, I've, I've scouted four or five days now already this year. Um, you know, almost full days. Um, I probably spent 30 miles. I think mm -hmm. I did um, on the bike, not including off the bike and walking. Um, and so I have an idea. And while I'm there, I'm like, yep, that's the that's the palm tree that that's is tree covered by the oak that I'm going to be in. Yeah. And I already know it. And yeah, I, I love the apps on the phone. You can drop pins and, and everything like that. But it's I might not remember to get the milk out of the refrigerator when the wife asked me to yeah. 15 seconds ago, but I can go to a public land that I left a tree stand at or I've hunted in that yeah. tree 10 years ago. You can, You'll know the exact tree. You, in the yeah. dark without lights. I know how to get there yeah. and, and the easiest route. It, it, it's amazing. But yeah, everything, I, I, I tend to overthink things. So that's my biggest battle is you know, oh, this or that or that, and instead of, you know, just acting. Yeah. And so I do a Follow lot that of instinct. a lot of a lot of that, uh, you know, fight between between myself and mm -hmm. what needs to happen. A lot of preparation, and then you know, it's time to follow through, and it's like, and again, so there's some things that you you know you can't control having, you know, having kids and and birthday yeah. parties and body blah, blah, blah. So it's like, oh my gosh, this is the time of the year. And the next thing you know, I have other obligations, but yeah. luckily I'm, I'm married a woman who knows that this is important. It, this is, don't make me choose between hunting and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They should all know that. And if there's any women listening and you're dating a hunter, you should know. Yeah. You should never make you're welcome. choose. Yeah. We're saving your relationship. Um, oh, oh, I just had a, a thought. Um, we were talking about picking trees. One of the things I, I like to do when I'm walking around scouting, like this time of year, like I'll, I'll pick out a tree beforehand and then I'll range it from the ground. Cause like I haven't climbed it yet, right. but I'm like, I want to know like, how far is this shot? You know, like this is the trail they're going to be on. Like how far, you know, it's like, oh, this is 20 yards. Perfect. You know, like, um, I used to, so, so Danny, the way he hunts, like he's he's really confident with his bow, like more than I, he's not an over, well, I don't want to say he's not an overthinker, but like I feel like I feel like he's gonna call me out on saying this, but like I feel like when he's in a tree stand and a deer comes walking out, like he's just like I'm gonna kill that deer, like that's how I am. Like you're dead. Yeah, like you're done, you know. And like he takes shots that like I would definitely screw up, you know. Um, and so he likes to set himself up in a place like where he he has like lots of trails like in every direction out to like 40 yards maybe even 50 yards like if need be and he's got no problem taking those shots and he's he's real confident with it it's all about confidence you know? oh yeah now have i taken longer shots yes I, I killed a doe at like 44 or something like that i think that's the furthest i've shot a deer um so I used to kind of do the same thing as him. I learned a lot from him. Um, but this year I really, I kind of was like, to hell with that. Like I want 20 yard shot. So this year I like really focused on just like 
focusing on that one trail, setting myself up where that's like an easy chip shot. You know what, if they show up on a different trail and I do end up having to make a longer one because I'm not set up a little closer to where I've got them both, like whatever. I'll deal with that when that happens. I was real lucky this year, like uh, I killed three things with my bow and all of them were like inside of 30 yards chip shots you know um i I forget where i was going with this Um, you were ragging on on danny's hunting no i mean he (laughs) you know he does his thing like i mean he kills kills a lot of it a lot of it has to again like you said it's confidence yes practice 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 but then it's confidence confidence in 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 your equipment and then in you yeah And, and and that is uh, that, that's that's more than that actual practice to me. You start doubting. Like the whole theme here is like, what can you do this time of year to improve your chances? Practice. Oh, absolutely. You know, like I'm practicing year round usually, um, and I think you know a lot of the people listen to our podcast and watch our videos are people that are just getting into hunting or learning. They're like relatively new to it, and that's really one of the reasons I wanted to start this because I didn't have that resource when I started. Um, so a lot of those people are like looking for like to potentially adopt somebody else's way of doing things, which I'm all for when, you know, but like I, people need to think about it as like trying something out and then trying other things out. Cause you got to figure out what works for you. And mm-hmm. like you said, you got to have confidence in the way that you do things. Um, and to me, that's the most important thing there is out there because if I feel confident that I can make this shot, and I feel confident in this setup and I feel confident that a deer is coming from there. Like I'll stay, you know, and if you're not confident, my experience is you won't stay long enough to make it happen. No. You know? Um, no. And that's, and that, and again, that's why I, I oh, it's the camera. I just remembered what I was thinking about. So last year, sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you no. off, but I know I'm going to forget again if I don't say it. So last year I did something a little different than I usually do. Um, well, not I wouldn't say usually, but like the previous year, I got really hung up in overthinking. This is why I thought you were talking about overthinking. And like, I got this like mentality of like, it only takes one sit to, you know, like, cause I've killed a number of deer, like just on that first sit, it only takes one sit. You just gotta be in the right spot. If you're in the right spot, like you'll see deer. Um, but, I think I've learned this season. That's not necessarily true. Like you can, you can be in one spot that's really great and like not see anything one day, and the next day you see like ten deer. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so last year I really screwed myself over. Um, I didn't kill a buck last year. I killed like a, a doe or maybe two doe. I don't know. I, I didn't kill a buck. I killed other things. But um, this year I kind of like forced myself. I was like, when I find a spot that I feel good about I'm gonna force myself to stay put and that's what I did and and it really paid off um you know like the the last buck that I killed um do you watch any of our videos oh yeah so like did you see the one where I like jacked myself up with the scope yeah yeah so that buck, that's where this marks from yeah. I have to say what yeah uh, luckily mine didn't leave scar it went away but uh that buck I didn't see like I was so confident this spot I was gonna see bucks we had I had a good amount of bucks moving around on those cameras. The first day I get out there, I didn't see nothing. And then finally, like at last light, like a doe came through. And I was like, 
kind of depressed. I was like, man, this spot should have been just crawling with deer. The next day, nothing. And then the next day, or sorry, the second day, like I had a couple does come through again in the evening. And then the next day, this buck comes walking out at 8 a.m. And like, I think if, if I was in the mindset that I had the previous year, I would have left already. I would have gone somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that confidence, like, again, it's so important, like having confidence in the decisions that you're making and trusting your reasoning for picking that spot to begin with, no matter how long you're sitting there, like there's a reason you put yourself there. Like you got to kind of trust your instinct yeah. on that. And it's, and it's the, the time in the woods. It's the, you know, asking yourself while you're sitting there, as soon as you want to get up, you know, why do I want to get up? Oh, I'm not seeing anything. Okay. Yes, that might be true. But for the last five months you've been scouting and have seen deer here, there's still sign here. And what I do with the cameras that I've explained to a lot of my friends when it comes to the, the detail, they're like, oh, I got some bucks on camera. And I'm like, oh, okay, like how many pictures? You know, where was he heading? Oh, I, I don't know. I'm like, yeah. no, I, like I can't. I, I, I OCD, I OCD. I'm yeah. like, well, I'm not even hunting that area. You give me every photo you have on your cameras and I'll break it down for you. Yeah. And so it was, and, and that's, that's what I tell myself and that gives me the confidence is you, the data isn't lying. Like, and yeah. what you have are visually seeing in this area indicates this is where you need to be. Yeah. Besides the fact that you're not seeing anything right this second, what other reason outweighs all of that? Yeah. Nothing. Impatience. Like that's all. And again, that's why it's so hard for me to sit in a tree stand. Yeah. And it's because I'm constantly, I'm just like, but see, like I want to be able to move. I want to be able to move. It's like, I almost need to be in a tree stand to stay. Because if I'm on the ground, I'll just give up too soon and be like, ah, I'm going to go over there. Well, I'm now on I'm the ground and I'm staying on the ground, but it's the the 60% chance that I'm going to see something that, especially with a recurve, that I'm not going to be within range. Yeah. I, and with, with a compound, I'll go up in a tree stand all day long. Yeah. Because uh, I can shoot farther distances, the angle, all that stuff is, is really... I mean, you minute. can just like get down and go stock. Uh, I'm like, got a shimmy and, and it takes too much time. Gotta, or I'm jumping. You got to get into the saddle game, man. I'm I jumping. Just, you just belay down the tree. I just pull a lever and slide down my rope. I'm, I'll, I'll jump. Yeah. And so that's why a lot of times I just, or I have, you know, I could go on Craigslist. I'll buy a $50 lock-on stand used or something and I find a spot and those bad boys are still there. <laughs> and so I know. Probably shouldn't boast about that I'm pretty sure that's illegal well, you're supposed to take them out yeah you're also I lost to, the lock you're also supposed to put your uh, your information on your stand are you yeah well, nobody, nobody does it but okay. well that's why I don't hunt in a tree stand yeah um what was I going to say I lost it again um yeah one of the problems like we have is you know we film so like we don't have the ability to be as mobile like it you know and i've tried that you've seen i've, I've done we, a couple we, of videos we have one of your clips on oh one yeah of our with the videos. recurve yeah, yeah. It, it, it's hard i mean and I, I bring i have a camera every single time yeah every time i have a camera with me i have it set up and everything and then again that adrenaline rush 
You and forget about that, it? No. I see. I look at my camera and I literally look at it and say, F you. Yeah. No, nope. not dealing with that. No, I'm not dealing with you. This is game time. <laughs> if yeah. somebody else was there, wanted to deal with it, no. I am here. I've spent too many hours. I've Just traveled. No, that. I am not going to sit here and dilly dally with this thing. So props to people who can one day. And I'll, yes, I'll try and I continue to try. But more than about 75% of the time, I, I'm like, I'm not dealing with this right now. Yeah. Well, like, you know, the thing is, uh, this is something, you know, because we've recently taken on some dudes that are, you know, filming hunts for us and stuff, John, Bug, and Robbie and stuff. And, and like, it takes time to shift your mindset. Like, it took me and Danny time, too, because there's plenty of times in the beginning that we killed things that we didn't film it, didn't push record, didn't point the camera in the right direction. You know, like, I can't tell you how many times, like, just sitting there and it's like, oh, shit, there's a deer, like, screw it you know like yeah. and then just shoot it um you start changing the way that you pick your spots to accommodate the camera oh, absolutely like i now like to sit in more open areas it's kind of like where our camo like really shines mm -hmm. you know like we like to be out in the open really high up in a tree so high up in a tree a deer doesn't look that high no. you know and um but it's great because like we see a deer come out and you're like yeah, you can move. You know, you're just like, whatever, like flailing your arms around and grabbing your bow. And like, they don't, you know, they don't see uh, what's happening. Um, but it sounds to me like the way you hunt, you don't really have that option. But I will say nowadays, there are some camera options that you should consider. And that's what I was, that's what I was like, thinking. I, I, back when GoPro first came out, I bought one, a Hero, Hero One. And then I, I had it mounted on my bow, I had it on my head, and I'd shoot a hog at 10 yards, that thing looked like it was 80 yards away. Yeah. I'm like, what, you can't even see an arrow. Yeah. And yes, I, and I've seen, you know, Tacticam has some, and I've watched a couple other YouTube videos and has Googled and researched all these different cameras that I can set up while, if I'm in a tree stand or even if I'm on the ground, I can have it so I can see that exit hole. I have it on the other side of trails. Yeah. You know, and so all I have to do is hit one button on a remote and all four cameras are playing yeah. at the same time. That's my kind of deal. Yeah. Like, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I got, got you, man. Like, I, I, we can talk about it like after the podcast, but I, I got a nice setup that I uh, figured out for turkey hunting, you know, on the ground and stuff. You'd probably like it a lot. And I think our viewers probably enjoy seeing one of your and, books. And when I, do, when I do hunt in a, in a tree stand, I might as well be as close to the ground. I'm in the ex most extreme thick cover yeah. with the smallest lock on stand possible, but I'm anywhere between. 10 and 12 feet off the ground, but yeah. I'm in crazy thick cover. Yeah, we're, we're usually at 25 oh, to 30. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah, that's that's where we like to be. That's our sweet spot. Um, there was there was something I wanted to address, but uh, I want to I want to circle back. Actually, before we circle back, tell me about this this deer. This thing is massive. You guys can't see this, but like can't there's see. an absolute giant hanging on the wall that's a kansas buck mm -hmm. so i've had shot a it, shot it on the ground really spot and stock i, I saw it all the oh way across the ravine my buddy was uh, i was hunting up there with i i look across i go look at the size of that body deer walking down the hill and i'm i'm talking it was probably two three miles away like i've looked across this this ravine and, and all you see is a dot coming down a hill but the sheer size and the fact that i could see it that far yeah it was, i was like i don't know he had binoculars he goes and he's looking through big binoculars. He's like, I can't tell what it is, but it looks big and it might have something on its head. And I was like, all right, well, 
you know, and it's coming kind of in our direction. So I was, I just, I told him I'm going for it. And he's like, are you? I said, yeah. And so, and it was all downhill for me. So I just grabbed my bow and I had my jumpsuit on and I just literally ran downhill into where this ravine met some woods. And I sat there and I was like, did I miss it? By this time I'm panting, it's hot. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, did I miss it? And then I'm hiding behind a six foot fir tree and I'm looking around it and like, all right, he came from that direction. Where did it, did he already pass? I'm freaking out. I have my friend's range finder and there's an old fence line and I'm trying to range it. I don't know how to work his range finder. And sure enough, that buck is walking right down the fence line at like 35 yards. And I'm like, oh gosh. So I'm trying to range it and it's not giving me range. I'm turning it on and off, on and off, on and off. <laughs> and, this, and this buck, is, it must have, it's pre-rut. He was following a doe. Um, that must have went down that trail earlier and so he gets to the other side of the fence at 35 yards and he's just walking back and forth like he doesn't know how to cross a fence and i'm just trying to sit there with a rangefinder at this point like what in the world's going and then he hops the fence and he starts walking to me and then he's about 34 yards still coming and then i shoot him i think it was like i, I guessed it like 27 mm-hmm. shot him and he just took off and ran down the hill where i just came from and piled up damn what did he tape out to uh i think i got him at like 167 i think it was yeah i believe it man that thing is and the mass is insane i actually it tasted horrible really horrendous they i even asked them the the ranch i was my buddy his parents own it and uh they do corn and all kinds of stuff and and they said they don't even eat they, they won't really? eat the deer well they also raise the most top quality Angus beef that you can have. So they're like, why would I? Okay. Yeah. And he says, especially in rut, he goes, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, I eat the deer down here in rut. I yeah. brought that thing back, had it processed, burger meat, everything seasoned. I cooked it here in the house. My wife walks in and was like, what in the world is that smell? And I, I was like, you smell it too? I, I think the seasoning will take care of it. And she's like, no, I bit into this burrito that I made out of it. And I took one bite. When I swallowed it and I was like she's like there's no way and I was like no I can't do it and wow. it, it tasted like you were sucking on a torsal gland oh my god it I was mean, it's an old buck too like oh, I, I think so it has more to, in fact they actually did a study pretty recently it has nothing to do with rut it has more to do with age the older one oh, is it yeah I mean it's got I mean it's got to be an old buck I'd rather eat roadkill than what that was. It was, it was, it's, I had all, all the windows open for almost two days. It smelled so bad in here. Yeah. So, uh, Kansas is like a little bit of a dream of mine. I actually went, remember I was talking about like shed hunting. Mm-hmm. I went to Kansas, uh, in April and like everything I read was like all the antlers are going to be on the ground by April. Not this spot I went to. I found a giant, I mean, not you know i mean to me it was a giant i i mean i think it was like still i still think people up there would have shot it It was a good buck uh i still walk around with antlers well it's like all that drive for that well that's what happened when i went up there i'm so used to hunting florida and my buddy's hunted up there a few times and he's like listen you know don't shoot the first buck you see you know you're gonna think oh my gosh it's huge and so i had that in the back of my head that doubt the entire time i'm like oh my gosh you know i don't want to shoot the wrong buck and and then be mad at me yeah or, or or whatever and so you know i I see that walking down the fence line at me and I was like I don't care if this is too small or what like how is that going to be maybe my we're from Florida blame my judgment I don't care they said no you're fine (laughs) that's good and 
The thing, it's uh, a booner. <laughs> well, the, the, and the thing is up there, it's the, the size of, of the deer. And the, um, my friend who, who lives there, he, uh, I mean, from dusk till dawn, their family's working farms. Like, they, it's no joke. Like, yeah. everybody wakes up, they're wearing, you know, jumpsuit Carhartts, and they are working all the time. Corn at night, I mean, they're getting, and so he took one day off. And um, he owns a, a gun shop there up in Kansas as well. He took one day off of work to go hunt while we were up there. And uh, he's, he did competition shooting with his bows and stuff. And this year he actually changed to a recurve. He shot a, a turkey with it up there. Oh, damn. And, uh, but he took the one day off of work up there and just sat on a stump in a creek bottom and shot one that's bigger than mine. It had stickers poking out everywhere. All 100%, just free range, just... Wow. He just Dude, I mean, does it. Kansas is, like, insane. Like, so my girlfriend has a good friend that lives in, in Kansas City. And so, like, it's kind of funny. Uh, she asked me because my birthday's tomorrow, you know. And, oh, yeah. Um, she, this was, like, a couple months ago. She's like, your birthday's coming up. Do you want to, like, go on a trip or something? So I started looking May time. I was like, you know, one thing I've been really wanting to do, like, lately is go shed hunting in a different state. It's like, I don't know. I just really like the idea of scavenger hunts. Like, oh, yeah. I, I love it. Um, but good. I don't really have anybody that, like, wants to do it with me. So I was just like, whatever. I'll just go to a different state and do it. And, um, so I, I was like, May time. Like, what's good in May? And I was like, well, Colorado, like, elk sheds. And I was like, ah, it's going to be too much hassle because it's going to be, like, you got to adjust to the elevation change. Like, you can't really do a quick weekend, you know. So then I was like, well... I really want to hunt Kansas in the future and I've been applying for, for points. So like I wouldn't mind going and spending some time putting boots on the ground and just like getting a lay of the land yep. and look for sheds. And I think in two days I did 20 something miles. Like, and all I found was like the, this broke off, like just the two front points mm -hmm. of one antler. And it's, it's entirely possible that it, was the buck that I saw because it wasn't far from that but I was just blown away at how much buck sign there was and just like how big it was oh yeah there's just deer everywhere but the crazy thing to me was like where the hell were the deer like that like I didn't really see much I saw a couple of deer it, um, and that's what I learned I was like how in the world do you got cornfields and they, they were all harvested when I was there yeah and then same. all there is is little fingers of of woods that are down in bottoms and that's where they are or um i was in the like bottoms. ravines like you I'm, yeah. I'm i'm going across um open i mean rocks well, and stuff like, sounds like you were in the west yeah yeah and then it, all of a sudden there was a 60 foot drop that looks like one of our washouts yeah you know instead of it just being a four foot you know by four yeah. foot washout from water this is a 60 foot 200 feet long canyon yeah. And you, all you have to do is, you, you, if you weren't paying attention on a full wheel, you're dying. But you look down, and there's, animals start running out of it. They're out of the sun, because other than that, there's yeah. nothing there. Well, yeah, so that's out west, where it's just, like, open. Yeah, I think I was, uh, I want to say north, northwest. Yeah, I was, like, on the east side, so it was, like, just, I mean, there was a lot of habitat diversity. There was a lot of farmland and uh, lots of woods and stuff. Um, and, you know, I only checked, like, one WMA, like, so much ground to cover. I mean, I covered a lot of ground and I was in like 
some ridiculous bedding habitat just covered in tracks and rubs and I mean I, I have footage of it I still got to put together a video but like literally like one spot I walked into it was just like 30 rubs within 10 yards of me like every single tree completely destroyed and and like I only saw a handful of deer while I was there or fence posts that are rubbed down look like hourglasses yeah. and I mean the thing is up north too I love to hunt up north and I watch plenty of shows and 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 stuff with public land up there and it's a lot different than florida we have one management area it's twenty three thousand acres mm-hmm. sixty thousand acres hundred thousand acres up north you have one that is 50, 50 acres yeah 100 acres there just sporadic little spots everywhere yeah. you have one or two that are a couple hundred maybe up to a thousand a national forest yeah. but it's so strange to me that you have all these teeny tiny small public land hunting areas uh, is in the middle of all this private and to me i'm like that's if that, you're that's if you're the only guy hunting it yeah awesome and a lot of times that's the way it is in those places like you go to those little ones and it's just like like you, like your your immediate thought is like oh that's going to be like beat down but i think a lot of people just like don't bother with it because they because they think that way and or so, the, the fact that they are able to hunt all the public yeah. land or the, the private land that's yeah. already up there yeah that's actually pretty funny in, in kentucky i don't know if you've ever done kentucky mm-hmm. but like, yeah i've hunted there a couple times people's mentality there is so funny to me it's like hunting public land is for poor people oh yeah and like look, people don't even bother and archery season not a thing like I remember we went over there we were like yeah we want to try and get a velvet buck and like we're pulling into this wma and like turns out there was like a dove field in that wma so there's like some people by the parking lot and we're like shit there's like a bunch of people here and we pull in we get out our camo and stuff and they're like oh are you guys here for the dove shoot and we're like, nope no deer season and they're like deer season you're about two and a half months early <laughs> Or whatever, you know. Oh yeah. It was like September, and they're like, it doesn't start till November 11th. No, that's not. Like, that's early. Like, you got to uh, do the early like, season. Uh, what? Like, and we're like looking at each other, like, oh my god, did we just screw up like so bad? Or, like, we just came to a WMA that's like not even open. We put out cameras a month before, like scouted the crap out of it, and then slowly like dawns on us that like he's talking about gun season and anything before general gun is like not even worth hunting no you know like they just don't do it they they just released like some data recently that uh the archery trade association like um looked at uh bow hunter numbers in like all the different states and like florida like blew kentucky out of the water it's when our rut is 90 percent of the time and like kentucky there's like forty three thousand bow hunters and here we had like 60 something. Oh, at least. So, well, that's just like what's in the survey. But, yeah. But um, anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I love hunting out of state. It's just like cool to experience something new. But but actually, I just wanted to know the story on that thing because it's ridiculous. But I will be going to Kansas probably next year because I've got two points now. I've only um, been once. Yeah. That was that. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I want to I circle back you were talking about the um, your spreadsheets and like all that stuff and I feel like we diverted away from that but I feel like there's some really interesting stuff there so um, I don't know I'm trying to think like I had a thought earlier um, 
we were talking about what you're looking for when you're scouting for those spots. We kind of jumped ahead to like what you're looking for once you have found, like you, so you, you find a buck and then you're like, all right, half a mile radius. We talked about what you're looking for in that half mile, but we didn't really talk about what you're looking for like this time of year when when you're trying to locate deer because we talked about how they kind of shift their pattern like the bucks yeah i mean what i'm looking for this time of the year is sign from last year okay i'm looking for from sign from last year um, a lot of times I'm hunting areas that I've already hunted. So rubs. Yeah, and social media, uh, you know, you get to see everybody's bucks that have been harvested. I mean, and people, and so people you, think they're being secretive about yeah. where it came from, but there's always some guy that's like, yeah. oh, I know where that was. Of course. And so it, right now it's it's looking for sign from last year, maybe branching out, looking for a new area. Mm-hmm. And looking for the deer that you, you know put eyes on the deer that have survived from last year, mm-hmm. um, and, and and giving a, a a fair guess that you know this deer is going to be is the deer from last year, and this is how he should look, mm-hmm. um, and or you know some new bucks have moved into the area, or it's the area and one of those deer you know you're not getting anything. And yeah. so that deer was shot last year. Yeah. Um, and so, so are, are you like actually trying to locate them, mm-hmm. like put eyes on them yeah. physically, or are you just like throwing I'm looking, cameras out? I'm, I'm looking for their sign first tracks, mm-hmm. you know, buck tracks, uh, uh, no physical, thing. physical sign from, um, uh, rubs. How do you distinguish a buck track? Just big. I just look for bigger. So there's actually a study done as well that showed that's, Yes. Is it? Yeah, they did this pretty. It's pretty funny, actually. They did a study where they had like pens in like a farm, and they had like does and bucks of different ages, um, and and then basically put them in separate pens so they like knew who made the tracks and then took them out and then had people go through with like a score sheet and like basically like be like buck or doe and uh, the it was like fifty fifty. Everyone, people that were experienced and not experienced, 50-50. I mean, it like, comes to, I mean, the sheer length and stuff, m- maybe weight. I yeah. guess it would be the, the depth, how deep, heavy. Because yeah. you get a mature buck here, you're not going to find a 170-pound yeah. doe, but you will get a 175-pound buck. Right. And so you get that weight, that weight difference on there. You know, yes, you get, what, dew claws and, and width and split toes. You know, there's a million things that people talk about well, but at, what it, at the end of the day i think what it comes down to is like i'd rather trust my own judgment on it and have some confidence in what i'm seeing like oh, yeah. if, if i'm convinced that's a buck like it's a buck yeah. you know i see a big track and then i'm seeing sign like rubs um or broken uh, licking branch from a scrape from last year or something like that then i'm like okay well there's a buck in the there's area a big, at least. There's a big foot. At least I know it's not a teeny tiny buck making those scrapes or, or that be, rub. It but it could be, be. yeah. Because yeah. I've, I've seen giant, I've seen big bucks just demolish little myrtles. Yeah. And I've seen small bucks. Oh, no, I, I was going to say, like, small bucks can have big feet. Like, oh, yeah. You know, just like humans have different sized feet, like so do yeah. deer. Yeah, so. they should. Um, so, again, it comes down to, like, the weight. Yeah. You know, just seeing that, that the depth of imprint. But I mean, tracks on one hand, I, 
yes, I'll look for them. If they cross a road, then that kind of gives me an idea of if there's tracks, you know, or there's deer sign here, deer, you know, they're social animals, so they're going to be with other deer. And so it's just looking again for last year's sign. Yeah. And then um, knowing where that is then. And from my experience, I don't see a whole lot of bucks in velvet this time of year where I am seeing rubs. Yeah. If I'm yeah, there, that's seeing my rubs, experience as well. No, they're. I'm t- go ahead and backtrack. You see rubs and stuff. Do the opposite. Do a half mile radius from that, yeah. and that's probably where they are. Then that's probably where they are, and then that's where I'll start. And well, but also like I find it's harder to find them in velvet because they're all together. Mm-hmm. So like if you find one, you're finding them all, and that's you know, that helps. But it's harder to find them because they're all in one spot. Yeah. You know? And again, it's just the number of cameras and it's time in the woods. And uh, and, I, and I've noticed I've seen a lot of bigger bucks on public land. I don't see a whole lot of big mature bucks in velvet with other deer. It's, right. I'm surprised, hmm. um, at least here locally. Um, so that's interesting because my theory has always kind of been like, I can't tell what kind of track this is, but there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And deer like deer. So like even if it's a doe or a small buck, like deer feel safe where other dealer deer feel safe. So like, I'll usually focus on areas that have a lot of sign, just because instead of looking for like big sign, I'm mm-hmm. just like, if there's deer in this area, there's probably gonna be a shootable buck, oh, yeah. you know? It's, um, but big bucks not hanging out with other deer, I mean, I mean. The three, the three that I've seen so far this year, um, while scouting were all by themselves mm-hmm. I, I saw other deer that were and you know our floor is just all over the place when it comes to rut when it comes to antlers yeah i mean there's deer up here that are hard horn that i'm seeing that are studs monsters mm-hmm. and then a mile down the road i'm looking at one that looks like it has three more months left mm-hmm. before it starts to rub off yeah. or get done even growing its velvet um and so uh, there's there's that too so there's so much so much difference and you can have you know the rut kicking off at at this time and and then it's not across the street and it's like how what what line determine determines that or you have one you have a buck that already lost one side of its horn you have one that's growing and they're all chasing a doe and you're like What in the world is going on here? Oh, I've and again, seen that in the same WMA, like yeah. on one side of it, they're rutting in the other side, they're still in velvet. Yeah. You know? And it's just that one hot doe. And, and again, I think that along with the, the Florida heat and, and everything here. That one hot doe is a pain in my ass because if you're on her, you're in the money. Oh yeah. But if you're not, you're not even close. No. You yeah. know? Nope. And again, hunting up north is you have a rut, there's a rut. Yeah. That's it. And every buck and every doe yeah. is going nuts. No. And here, it drives me crazy sometimes because you find your you find yourself in that spot where the doe is hot. Every buck in the area will be there. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I remember we we were hunting uh, a couple of years ago. There's there's a video of this. Like we found a real nice buck. I, I like rattled it in one one day, but it caught my wind. Um, and then we were hunting on the ground. And the next day we like go back and spot the same buck in the same area and we're like, all right, let's go. Because it was hot on a doe. And we get in there and start looking and it's like, oh crap, there's five bucks on this doe. You know? Oh yeah. It's like if you if you're in a spot where the doe is hot, like anything can happen. Yeah, that's 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 the party you wanna be at, that's for sure. The 
But how do you figure out where that spot's going to be? That's the tough thing. Well, that's why I don't... I, I, I like hunting pre-rut. I like when they... They're more they're, patternable. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. When when they're rutting, it's just... you got to kind of throw... A good, pick a good funnel and hope yeah. for the best. And, and the great thing is there's other bucks that are, that you aren't seeing because your cameras weren't there. Yeah. And they're traveling up to five miles, mm-hmm. you know, during the rut. So, yes, you're in deer territory. That's yeah. all you need to be. Hunt the does. Yeah. And I, I, I do that a lot. Hunt all the does. Where are the does? And the does really don't change patterns a whole lot they'll have their babies and the the does the females will will stay a lot of times with their mom the bucks they'll push off and but yet the does are still going to be there they kind of stay well those bucks that are in velvet where they are now they're most likely going to branch off because they're starting to rub and Mm -hmm. and and fight and get ready for rut so then they're going to be going to where the does are the does aren't going to be like oh my gosh the boys are here let's Let's go on vacation. Well, except, you know, the bucks will, like, push the does into a new area, but they always come back eventually. Yeah, Yeah. and then, and it's hard, it's it's rare to see only one doe or, I mean, we've we've seen that so many times in um, that place. Mm -hmm. Like, me and Danny set up in this area where we're, like, 500 yards from each other, and, like, like he'll just suddenly for like a one week period just have like all these bucks showing up bucks we've never seen before we're like what the hell's going on there's like studs mixed in Mm -hmm. and then poof gone and then the year before that i was hunting a spot which just like was dead during archery and i gave up on it i was like screw this my camera was still sitting there just like whatever i'm going somewhere else go back and pull the camera and then like muzzleloader a doe comes through with five bucks oh yeah you know it's like crap and it's like man it's so hard to predict it drives me crazy oh absolutely and that's why i like hunting the pre i yeah I, i'll do scent drags and and that kind of stuff or if, if you get scent. to a lot of times you know season opens yeah. it's already rut so yeah yeah it is that's why i just again being confident yeah. um and and sticking to it i have no problem sitting in a tree stand and not seeing a single thing because yeah. i to me the one thing I will see is going to be, and that's what I tell myself, the one thing is going to be my shot. Yeah. And that's what happened to that buck there. And then I shot that one. And then that was on a Saturday, I think I shot opening. Mm-hmm. And then on Wednesday, I went to the same exact tree and I shot a three point or a six point. Yeah. A, a yeah, small I've got, six. I've got a story from the same area. I shot, uh, I shot three bucks in one week from the same exact tree, so just gotta be gotta be in that right spot when that hot doe is around and anything can happen. Oh yeah. Um, we're getting off track here. What were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about uh, oh cameras. Yeah, like how you. What I'm what I'm looking for this time of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like if somebody was listening and they're like trying to figure this out and they're like I want to hunt the chestnut way like what would you tell them to be looking for right now if they um, went in the woods tomorrow I'd have to ask them what are they looking for are they looking for to see deer and velvet because then find buck sign and then backtrack out, out off of there um, and you know from the rubs mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff when they become hardware and then kind of work your way out so do you feel like well, I guess you want to see them in velvet because you want to know who 
I want to know what's around. You want to know what bucket it is. Like, but aside from actually putting eyes on the buck and knowing which bucket it is, like, would you say it really matters to even see them in velvet? Like, if you're finding last year's sign in an area, like... All depends on what you're looking for. I, I want, I'm going, I'm going for quality. Mm-hmm. If I want to just shoot a, a, a buck, a, a legal buck, then to me it doesn't matter what. I'm looking to see what the potential is in right. that area. So I, I can have a bachelor group of bucks, and I see you know one out of all those are you know is an absolute monster, and the other ones are are you know are they worth shooting are they not i don't know mm-hmm. because they're not really done but i know this one is definitely the biggest out of out of those um then it is keeping track on him is yeah. he gonna is he gonna leave that group before they are where is he gonna go because then what, i'm gonna look for sign later uh rubs because mm-hmm. i haven't put eyes on them because that's when they dispersed and now i gotta play catch up yeah track them down and then i'm seeing the rubs and stuff am i taking all my time looking at rubs from one of those other bucks or a completely different buck. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm particularly going for that one and, and help that one may lead me to a, another one. And I forget about that one because the new one's bigger yeah. and then I'm on his trail. So, um, and again, things, like, things change. I might think he's awesome and I'm not settling for anything less than that. I'm there with a recurve and a, and a cow horn spike comes out and I smoke it just because I can't help myself. That's just the way it is. If it gets you excited. That's it. It makes That's you want to shoot. Shoot. Um, like, crap, I lost it again. This is like a problem that I deal with like frequently. My brain's fried. Grew up in Amsterdam, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, it's gone. It's gone forever. I don't know. But um, anyway, I think, we're, I think we're kind of wrapping up here. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I still have a lot of things I want to ask you, but I don't want it to be recorded. <laughs> um, but so, uh, oh, I remember, I remember now. Okay, so we haven't even gotten our permits yet, quota permits. Are you scouting those areas in advance? Oh, yeah. Just like, are you, are you just like, uh, if I'm not, if I don't get that permit, like I'm just not hunting? Or, or are you just hoping you're going to get it on reissue like I, I haven't set foot in a quota permit area yet because I'm like I'm not going to waste my time if I don't know that I'm going to hunt it I've um, I've I've uh, walked I uh, scouted two one of one of them just once mm-hmm. another one I've been there three or four times okay um, and yeah I have to get a quota to, to get it I have enough points mm-hmm. um, to get it uh, you know possibly who yeah. knows um, and then I, I put in for some special opportunities this year. Yeah. Um, and I got drawn one year. Um, I and I then I that. had to return it. Uh, but then I had good books there too. But yeah, I, I'm out because I, that's just what I love to do. And yeah. so I'm, I'm there and I always, and because of the data that I've had saved up from cameras and the sign that I've seen in person and, and have, has logged, all I have it, I have, I have my backups. Yeah. Like that's what, and that's what I usually do. And again, depend on whether we talked about, um, you know, areas that I, I would just won't hunt because it's so pressured when it's dry, but yeah. if it's wet, that's where I'm going. Yeah. I didn't hunt it last year. I didn't get picked for quotas last year. Um, but I already knew where I was going to go. Yeah. And I went in there and I double check and I go in and, and scout once before I go in to make sure nobody else has moved in or, mm-hmm. or anything drastically has changed. And so 
uh, I have that as a backup if I don't get drawn. Yeah. And so that's that's what I bet. Other than that, I have you know I I need time to go in the woods and and that kind of stuff. So it's if even if I'm not hunting, well, at least I had the time to scout and I can use that information that I've gathered yeah. for the next year. So um, this time of year, like this is kind of usually my approach, but you know, this is why I love doing these podcasts because I just get to talk with a lot of people and like learn things that other people do. So I kind of adapt my approach, but you know, what I've been doing lately is just like, I'm not looking for deer. I'm looking for areas that I believe deer will be. Mm-hmm during hunting season and so like yeah i'm looking for like old rubs and stuff like that i'm not that concerned with actually seeing the deer themselves um like for instance i just found a spot uh the other day that um there's rubs there it looks like a killer i mean it's like the perfect kill box and i hung a camera up and it's been up there for a couple weeks and i've got a couple pictures of deer but like nothing special um, and so like, that's the reason I try not to put cameras out this time of year, because I feel like a real a spot that gave me the, the tingles, as I call them, like it, it gave, made my spidey senses go off. Like putting a camera there this time of year could like ruin it yep. because you're like, Oh, there's nothing there. You pull the camera, you don't think about it again, but really when season started, it was covered in deer. Yeah. Um, I don't have any out right now. I, this is all, all it's scouting I'm doing is is just in person and then yeah. my physical eyes on things. I just got antsy. Like I just wanted, I, I, just, I was like craving that ding. Ooh, I got a picture. Oh, yeah. So I put them out, but, but I found this area and like, I really believe like, it's like hard to explain this to people that are like new to hunting. It's like, you know what areas they like during deer season. I'm looking for those. I'm not looking for the deer cause they're actually not there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I'm doing right now. I'm just walking around the woods, going to places I've never been before. Like I love exploring new habitat. And yeah. go, oh, this is a cool spot. Taking note of those trees, like we were talking about, like I would hunt that tree if the wind's like this, I'd hunt that tree if the wind's like that. And this particular spot I'm talking about, I, I may not even put a camera out there. Like it's probably gonna be one of those spots that just like, I'm just gonna end up going randomly. Like, ah, eh, I'm gonna go check that out. Uh, you'd like it, it's like far as hell. Like. You know, I, kill yourself getting there, kind of. Thing. I wish, I wish I would, would relax, and and even the wife's like, this is supposed to be fun for you. Like it's two o'clock in the morning. What are you doing writing this like, data down? Like, this, this is, is fun. This is my fun. She's like, it, you, you you look mad every time you walk in the house from scouting, and you're you know putting your cameras on the computer or, or what. And I'm like, no, it's it's just game time. It's it's type two fun, you know, like a, a meat eater talks about this I was, a lot. It's I like, was competitive as hell. I grew up doing sports since I was three years old, and um, everything from soccer, basketball, state weightlifting, boxing, I, I I've, I've done it, and and. I, you want to be the I, best. I, well, I graduated, yeah, and, and I, I can't settle for less. That's the way I, I was brought up is, is yeah. do whatever you're going to do, put 110% into it until you don't want to do it, and it's not fun. And so I just, I I have to win, and, and there's no, I don't have any competition. It's not like I'm competing against yeah. somebody. You I'm, want yourself to perform at your very yeah, best. Yeah, uh, and to yeah. me, it's between, uh, it's personal between me and that buck. Like, I got him on camera, and he's taunting me. As soon as I see his picture, to me, it's him giving me the middle hoof and saying, yeah. come find me. Catch me if you can. And yeah. then it's like, all right, here we go. I got you. Cool. Yeah, man, I'm so excited for this season. I think, like, we have, like, two weeks till we get 
permits drawn. So. Oh, I know. I, so. I, I, I can't help it. The day that it allows me to do it, I'm, I'm on there. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. I have friends who have not, haven't even started yet. I'm like, what's I hope wrong they forget. With you? <laughs> what's I hope wrong they forget with you? to do it. Um, anyway, I think we can we can wrap it up there. Um, do you have any parting words of wisdom that you want to tell our listeners about? Yeah. Um, you can't say boots on the ground. No. <laughs> Everybody says that. Anyway, um, while you think about that, uh, guys. Um, just a couple quick announcements. I, I probably should have done this at the beginning of the podcast. I may still add it there after the fact. Um, we got a couple of events coming up um, that you guys might be interested in. Um, so next week is not my event, but Skull Hill Archery is putting on the first um, uh, Florida Archery Unleashed shoot. And it's basically going to be like TAC, you know, the one that John Dudley puts together, but in Florida. There's 50 3D targets, um, ridiculous shots. There's three different levels of difficulty. So you can do beginner, which is like out to 30, uh, like the regular ones, like out to 50 yards. And then you got expert, which is like out to 120 yards with a bow. Um, he's got all kinds of crazy targets. It's only $25 to shoot it. It's going to be going on all weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So uh, check out um, Skull Hill Archery's Facebook page. Uh, you can find the details there. And then we, Swamp and Swamp, is putting together another event uh, on June 17th. It's the day before Father's Day. So if you're a dad, that means you get to tell your family exactly what you want to do that weekend. And it's probably going to be this event. It's going to be the Saddle Hunter 3D Archery Tournament, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a 3D archery tournament that you shoot from a saddle so that you get to practice all the crazy shots you might have to do in real life. Um, it's a lot of fun. We get a lot of people to show up for it. And then on top of that, we're also doing a, a workshop. We're showing saddle gear. You can try everything out, all the stuff you've been wanting to see. We have tons of companies that have sent us gear for the demo, and then we're going to raffle it all off at the end as well. That's June 17th. Check out our Facebook page, um, and you can find all the details for that. And um, with that, thank you guys for tuning in. you thought of any words of wisdom? Um, put the work in and make shit happen. Boots on the ground. Let's go. All right, guys. We'll catch you in the next one.